Pirates versus Tyrants. This is the Tom Wren Show, where we practice piracy on the enemies of freedom and liberty. Welcome to the show. Oh, folks, I, I am back from the Reawaken Tour, and uh, it was it was quite a show, quite a show this weekend. You know, it was interesting. We were in uh, Las Vegas, and, well, I don't know what to say about Las Vegas. Las Vegas is a special place. Uh, it really, really is something. Um one of the things that was amazing to me, and I want to put this out there related to Clay Clark. So, yeah, Clay's become a good friend to me, and I really, he and his wife are just wonderful people. Uh, they they just, they're in this for God family country. He loses his butt on these tour jobs. I mean, they, they cost him so much more than he makes. It's ridiculous. And uh, in this one, it was, uh, well, to my mind, typical Las Vegas style, right? So there was, just appeared to be a striking amount of corruption. You know, every five minutes, the city inspectors were there asking him for more money for this or more money for that, or they were going to shut us down. And it was nonsense. It was absolute nonsense. And in fact, they actually did shut it down a little early on, uh, I want to say Friday night. Uh, it was just nonstop. And, you know, there's whatever they could do because they didn't want that free speech. They didn't want that communication, even though it was an awesome event. Everybody was there. It was wonderful. By the way, it was completely air conditioned. It was 105 outside and nice and cool in the tent. Uh, it was beautiful. A beautiful venue. Clay did a masterful job. Uh, General Flynn did what he always does, kept everybody moving. I mean, it was a great, great, great event. And, uh, you know, you see, you see the dichotomy here, right? So you've got a group of good people coming in and fighting and trying to leverage free speech and push these things. And then you've got the, the crooks and the monsters who are trying to, uh, you know, cause problems in a very corrupt way, frankly. I mean, it was, it was just not even remotely honest. So uh, despite that, though, uh, it was an incredible event, hopefully provided some serious hope for people and some positive vibes, you know, with a lot of different things. I talked about a lot of different things. We had Sherry Tenpenny. We had uh, Just Say No to Masks and Vaccines and that and other, uh, all these different things. But a wonderful, wonderful event. I know we've got another one. I think the next one's in October in Miami, and I'm very excited for it already. I'm really looking forward to it because uh, these are wonderful events and they not only provide us an opportunity to share information with, with everybody that's fighting, but they also give us an opportunity for the fighters to get together, to chat, to build camaraderie, to talk about things, you know, to work things out. It's just a wonderful thing from beginning to end. So yeah, I just spiritual God filled events, good things, good people. I just absolutely love them. All right. So that was that. And it was great. Um, but I want to kind of this first segment, I want to focus on wokeism, right? Woke. What does woke mean? I mean, we see it all over. I'm looking over at my stack and I'm looking at, you know, the climate monsters and the CRT and the DEI and all of this nonsense. And wherever you look, you see this wokeism and it's a plague on humanity. Uh, it's absolutely horrific. Uh, but I, I felt like I wanted to kind of hit woke, right? What is woke? How does this work? How did we get from a point 
where people were trying to, you know, fight against racism and fight against some of these things that really do need fought against to uh, the people who are woke being racist. I mean, and they are. CRT is racist. They tell you that you got to look at someone's color first and you judge them based on the color. I mean, it's just absolutely bigoted. So how does that happen, right? So I was looking around and I found this article in, in uh, Psychology Today. And it was an interesting thing, right? So the, this is guy, he's talking about uh, that he, he supports woke, but doesn't like wokeism. And that got me thinking a little bit more because this whole idea of woke is something that's not understood properly by the people who are fighting it. And so for us to fight it, we got to understand it. You can't fight something you don't understand. So woke as a concept came from the idea of being aware of unfairness in society. Okay. Now there is unfairness. There's always unfairness. I mean, in fact, we even for those that listen to me, right? The people in my world, we all know that we were told from childhood, life isn't fair, right? It isn't. I mean, sometimes you get the short end of the stick and that's the way that it is. And so recognizing and being aware of unfairness is not a bad thing, right? And if that's what being woke is, okay. So you start out much like everything else that the left does. You start out with a modicum of, of truth and decent decency, and then they destroy it. Uh, so the idea of understand, understanding and, and having empathy for issues that we face in society, I mean, that makes sense, right? I mean, it's what we ought to do. We ought to, that's a moral thing. That's a, that's a Christian thing, right? You know, we should treat others like we want to be treated. We should have empathy. We should have love. Those are Christian concepts, and that's how wokeism uh, starts. It starts with these ideas that are inherently good. And the reason that it resonates I think with so many young people, this idea of fairness, right? Everybody, especially young people, they, so the, the reason they say social justice warriors is these kids want fairness. They want equity. They want equality, these good things, right? Equity and fairness in these things are good things. They are. And if that's what woke stood for, then that would be great. But here's the problem. Woke is a concept has, has become wokeism. And in this article, uh, this guy who I, I don't think that he and I would see eye to eye in any way, shape, or form, but he's got some good points. It's Michael Carson. Uh, he's a, I don't know what he is. But anyways, he, uh, he says, uh, every movement is susceptible to becoming the thing it despises. Nitschke said it best, perhaps. Whoever fights monsters should see, it, should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. Uh, power theory teaches us that every system develops a subsystem that initially makes the rules that are good for the system, but eventually that the governing subsystem makes the rules that are only good for itself. And that's true. That's true. And what does that mean in plain language? Well, what it means is, is that you start out with, well, we should be aware of unfairness and try and remedy it. Now, understand something. You cannot be worried about things like fairness until you reach a level of prosperity that, that is really just amazing, right? So in the United States, we've reached levels of prosperity never before seen in human history. Now, Biden's trying to destroy that for sure, but we have. And we've gotten to the point where you don't have to worry about, am I going to eat tomorrow? 
well, at least up until Biden became president. Um, we, we were just unpressed in the levels of prosperity. So people then started to turn to, to thinking about other things. And part of this, I think, is human nature. You know, people are, are meant to push for, for better, whatever better is. And, uh, you know, when you've, when you've solved most of the problems, people aren't starving to death. People have good lives. People have homes and cars and this and that and other, uh, you know, I mean, in America, most people who live below the, the poverty threshold still have, you know, a car and a home and this, that and other, and they're doing pretty well. I mean, it's not like some of the, some of the countries out there where poverty means you don't eat. Uh, that's not America. So when we look at this, and that's not to say we don't have anybody hungry in this country, but there's always a program out there for them if they choose to take part in it. Now, they may not choose to take part in it, or they may not be aware of it, but there's always something out there. There's no one in this country that goes hungry because there's no way for them to get food. It's They may not be aware of that way. They may not be knowledgeable, but it's always there. So when we look at this, say, well, so what do we do? So woke comes along. Woke is, you know, let, let's be fair. Let's make sure everybody's fair. Everything's fair. Okay. And then bad guys did what bad guys do. They use the concept of fairness and this, that, and the other to manipulate people and to lie to people. And so fairness quit meaning equal opportunity and started meaning equal outcome. They switched it, right? And not because they actually wanted an equal outcome. Like, make no mistake, when when Warren Buffett came out in the media and made his famous proclamation that uh, his secretary pays more taxes than he does, it wasn't because he wanted to pay more taxes. He was, yeah. I mean, do you think he's paying more taxes than her now? He could very easily quit taking advantage of every loophole on the planet and actually pay a fair tax rate, but he doesn't want to. He's not going to, right? So when you talk about equal outcome, you know, equal outcome is something that's really interesting. Uh, actually, Elizabeth Warren, of all people, who I certainly don't generally agree with on anything, uh, talked about her billionaire tax, right? Everybody gets taxed and there's no loopholes. Well, that would be equity, wouldn't it? But you'll notice that that didn't go anywhere. And you'll notice that she didn't go anywhere in the Democrat Party after she started talking about that, did she? Because... Uh, the people who are pushing wokeness weren't actually pushing wokeness because they wanted equity or fairness. What they wanted was to create divisiveness and to create things that they could use to mobilize people to attack different things. What do I mean by that, right? Well, you've got, you had for a very long period of time, a very strong middle class. The middle class in this country is the enemy of the left. The middle class in this country is the opportunity for people to go from the bottom to the middle to the top. You can't get to the top without going through the middle, right? And if you can get to the top, then you're competition. Billionaires don't want competition. The nobility class doesn't want competition. They want it by birthright, and they want to pass it down through the generations, and they want to maintain it, just like nobility has throughout history. Well, if you think about this, folks, uh, that's not changed. And so the, the war in the middle class makes it much easier for the people at the top to maintain. If the people at the top actually cared about equity, then Bill Gates wouldn't be worth a, $100 billion. He would be worth 
you know, several million, make sure he could take care of his family. And the rest of it, he would have actually given away uh, for good causes that would have helped people get from the bottom to the middle to the top. But he doesn't do that. Now, do you really think that with a billion dollars, you couldn't help a lot of people to go from poverty to middle class on a permanent way? Yeah, but that never happens because the money that these guys put into things, they never, ever want to actually change anybody's status or position. They want it to look like they're trying to do that. Well, what they're really doing is benefiting themselves. It's always optics. It's always optics. It's like the Republican Party. Oh, my gosh, we hate Joe Biden. We're fighting Joe Biden so hard. You should vote for us because look what we did against Joe Biden. Where's the impeachment? Where's it at? Where's it at? Um, they don't actually want to do anything. That's why I've been on the Rand Paul, Jim Jordan kick for a while. Because these guys could do a lot more, and they won't. Because it's not politically expedient for them. And what's good for the country is less important than what's good for them. And that is what it comes down to, right? Is it, It's a good for them. Because if it was what was good for the country, well, it may be hard for them politically. They know right and wrong. They know what's going on, but they don't. They start with what's good for them, and that always takes priority. Well, this wokeism is that, right? Now, young people tend to be more idealistic. And this is why wokeism peaks in its early 20s. And then uh, as you start living your life, you realize how stupid it is. You know, wokeism peaks young when you're willing to actually sacrifice for the greater good. A lot of these kids are willing to sacrifice for what they believe is the greater good, but they've been misled. They don't realize that the greater good is equal opportunity and where someone can rise from the bottom to the middle to the top and where everybody is treated equally, not where you start out, uh, you know, uh, not based on their race or based on their this or based on their that, but everybody's treated with equal opportunity. And instead, what, what they've done is they've tricked these kids into thinking that if you don't have an equal outcome, then it's not fair. Well, that's not true, though, right? That's not true. Equal opportunity means that everybody starts, uh, you know, from the same starting line. Uh, it means that if you all work hard and you work smart, you're going to end up at the finish line. If you choose not to work hard or you make a bunch of stupid decisions, well, that's life, right? Um, but they look at what they do is they hold up the nice guy who did some stupid things and didn't make it to as far as the, the mean guy who did great decisions, uh, worked hard and got farther, right? So they say, well, that's not fair. Well, it is fair. It's the only way to be fair, right? Fairness means equal opportunity. When you start getting into equal outcome, then it never works. And so what they'll say is, well, look at, um, you know, we have a higher crime rate in the black community. So clearly uh, that's because it's not fair. Well, now, I can't say that that's true. Uh, at least not in terms of, of, you know, whether or not crimes are committed. Anybody, you can, anybody can choose to commit a crime or not. But here's the thing. There is a level of unfairness. There is a level. Did Renz just say? Yeah, Renz did just say this. I don't think that, I think that the reason for black incarceration um, being so high, I do think there's some unfairness in it. And I think it needs to be remedied. It's part of the two-tier justice system, right? 
you know, a lot of a lot of black families don't have the funding for the lawyers that a lot of the uh, the well-to-do middle-class white neighborhoods have, and so they get crappy lawyers, and so they end up in jail uh, or getting a bad shake in justice. So there's a lack of fairness there. But the fairness isn't because they're they're black. It's based on this lack of a middle class or lack of an opportunity to fund themselves properly, right? If we wanted to really help the black communities, we'd help them to have the wealth to be able to fund themselves so that they didn't commit crimes uh, because a lot of the crimes are committed because of this poverty. Now, that's generational, and this is why they... But you see, here's the problem, folks. So we've got this complex problem, crime. Yes, black communities aren't getting a fair shake in it. But the solution is to raise the community up, right? So that they can have equal access because our justice system's broken. Our justice system is broken. It's two-tiered. And so it is. But it's not broken because of racism. I don't know a racist judge. I don't know one judge uh, that is the, the uh, judges someone based on the color of their skin. The problem is not that. The problem is, is that they can't afford the lawyers. They can't afford the high-end representation. So how do we do that? We raise that up. But you see, this is the thing. When we talk about wokeness, wokeness doesn't do that. Wokeness doesn't look at the real problem. Wokeness doesn't look at the fact that the real issue is the lack of upward mobility. And instead, what they say is, you hate people because of the color of their skin. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. I don't know. I said, I literally don't know a single lawyer or judge that's racist. I know a lot of them who would do anything to try and end the racial disparities, but they don't know how to do it. And so instead of talking about the fact that the racial disparities in the justice system come from a two-tiered justice system based not on an inherent racism, but based on an economic economic disparity, uh, they shift the blame. So Warren Buffett doesn't want to, you know, raise his taxes and pay the same as his secretary so that some poor black kid can have a great lawyer. Doesn't want to do that. What he'd rather do is say, well, guess what? The problem is, is it's because you're black. It's not because you're black. It's because Warren Buffett won't pay. This is the rich elite holding the poor people down. How about that for you, folks? How about that? We'll be right back. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. 
Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Okay, welcome back, everybody. And I want to finish up what I was saying before the break here, right? So we're talking about this. We've got rich white guys keeping poor black kids down, right? Is that what I was talking about? Kind of, kind of. Um, I think there's a solution to the, to the crime problem, but it's not looking at people based on the color of their skin. That's racism. I don't like racism, right? Um, I think it's that rec- we would need to recognize that the people who get a poor shake in the criminal justice system are not just black. They're anybody who is poor, right? Anybody. Now, I'm saying as a lawyer, that's what I think, right? I think that if you are poor, you're going to get a, a bad shake. Now, that's expanding. It's expanding into Donald Trump, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. Uh, Trump is certainly not poor, but it's expanding now to not just the poor people not getting fair justice, but also people who are disfavored politically. But you know, in terms of uh, the solution, if the left actually cared, if Bill Gates cares about poor people not getting a good shake in the criminal justice system, if Mark Zuckerberg, if Elon Musk, if, uh, I, uh, what's his name, who used to run Twitter, you know, if any of these guys really, Klaus Schwab, you know, he wants great reset, right? Um, if any of these guys want to do this, I would suggest that maybe they pay an exorbitant tax amount to ensure that everybody gets quality representation under the law, right? So that uh, these these local, uh, you know, defense attorneys that that are working, you know, the court appointed, uh, yeah, I mean, man, these guys they're they're doing yeoman's work. They're good people, but they can't they can't do this. You can't have fifty, a hundred clients and and represent them all well. No, I mean, uh, a big case, if you can do one or two big cases at a time, that's pretty hefty. You know, maybe three or four, depends on how big the case is. But, you know, some of these cases that are huge, you can't you can't do multiple cases like that and get anywhere. So I would suggest that maybe we do a billionaire tax to have, uh, to have equal justice, right? So anybody worth over a billion dollars has to pay 50% uh, tax rates no loopholes, and all of that money goes to ensuring that people at or below poverty poverty levels uh, receive top-quality legal defenses with access to counseling and all the things that, that, that you see happen when Hunter Biden goes to jail or when, uh, uh, what's her name, the, the home woman, Martha Stewart. When Martha Stewart went to jail, I mean, she went to a resort for five minutes and, uh, you know, uh, this and that and other. I mean, why don't we uh, have a billionaire tax that funds that for poor people, right? 
That would be equity. How about that? How about that equity? See, this is the problem when we go back to wokeism. Wokeism was never about equity. It's not, it's not about that. And equal outcomes don't matter to these people. They don't actually want equal outcomes. And you can never have equal outcomes. All you can do is equal opportunity. But if they want to at least make, bring fairness in, then they ought to bring fairness to the system. But they won't do that. They won't do that. And by the way, if you think these guys aren't racist, sexist, bigoted, homophobes, I got news for you. They all are. Um, they don't care. But this politicized justice system and two-tiered justice system is a terrifying thing. And it's something that's very real. At this point, you have to understand the reason for the two-tiered justice system, and this stems from the talk of, you know, if wokeism is about fairness, and there is no better illustration of the lack of fairness than the, than the unequal outcomes in the justice system, right? Uh, Hunter Biden has pictures of him snorting crack off hookers' butts and what looks like him with underage girls and all sorts of other things, and no one's doing anything. Meanwhile, the poor kid on the street, black, white, or other, uh, you know, he's getting the book thrown at him for having a little bit of extra marijuana. I mean, people know that there's an issue. People know that. People see uh, that Donald Trump's, you know, RICO charges for this, that, and another, but no RICO charges for Anthony Fauci getting paid off by Big Pharma uh, and the Big Pharma people and the other government officials who who brought this bioweapon on us, right? Where's the RICO investigation there? People see the unfairness. They see that. They don't see any investigation into Hunter Biden, but they see him going after Donald Trump. They see this. So this causing a real problem, right? So I saw an article on a, a place called thestream.org. Next target after Trump is you. And I really liked this article, right? I like this a lot. Um, so when I look at this, you know, they, they, they start on, they're talking about what's going on with Donald Trump. And they're talking about, uh, you know, what's going to happen. And, you know, are they going to try and make sure that he can't run and this, that, and that? And we know they're trying to make sure he's not going to run. Uh, you know, they're trying to get him either in jail or disqualified. Um, now, these guys say that there's some lawyers linked to the Federalist Society that are trying to argue that Trump's now ineligible for office. I don't know about that. I haven't seen that. A Federalist uh, has been a pretty good publication lately, but, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I guess I don't know who's and who's not and who's good and who's bad. But regardless, um, you know, I look at this and they, they're, they're talking about, you know, disqualifying Trump. And I think one of the things that's really interesting where, where this guy says, he says that he, this article, he's, he's focusing on a target group, right? The target group he's talking about are uh, the squishy center. And he, he describes it as people who are either moderately liberal or moderately conservative who found Trump and his movement so disconcerting that they were repelled by him and are eager to see him disappear from American politics so things can re return to, air quotes, normal, as they were in 2015 before Trump came down the golden escalator. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Um, he goes on and he says, well, yeah, these people want every day to return to John McCain's funeral. Right. Uh, this is actually, I love the way he says this. Uh, call this the John McCain funeral fantasy. Remember that event with Donald Trump pointedly disinvited 
the elites of both parties gathered festively in D.C. like religious pilgrims or eco-tourists. Observers from MSNBC to NPR and to Fox gushed about how bipartisan all of it was, though to others it seemed like a gathering of both wings of a uniparty woven together by love of power and pointless foreign wars. I would agree. That's exactly what it was. McCain represented that quite well. The media picked up golden moments like George W. Bush holding hands and almost smooching with Michelle Obama, Big Mike, while Barry looked on, smiling. If only a wormhole could open up in time and space and swallow up Donald Trump, we could live every day like John McCain's funeral. Okay, so I, I love that. I thought that was well-written. I like that. And he talked about this desire to get to normalcy. This is important. The desire to get to normalcy. That is huge. And that is where we are, right? Everybody wants to get back to where it was 20 years ago or even a few years ago. And right now, everybody wants to get back to 2019 minus the Trump fighting, right? They, they really, really want to get back to pre-COVID. Now, I disagree with the 2016 idea, 2015 idea. They want to get to, you know, before Donald Trump. The only people that want to get to before Donald Trump are the uniparty liberal scumbags. Uh, 2019, the economy was booming, everything was going well, and it's all good. Uh, so I would say there's a split. And I would say probably about half the country is real interested in getting back to 2019 and another half to 2015, 2016, right? Um, but this normalcy, this desire to get back to normalcy, that was it. See, Trump was a disruptor. The thing that you have to understand is the change is always violent and painful, right? Uh, only the same, uh, only homeostasis is peace. And everybody wants peace. They just want stability. They want just, you know, they want to go along to get along. It's easier. Uh, Trump represented something else. He said he represented change. He wanted to move because he realized that the status quo had very gradually shifted away from freedom and towards tyranny. He realized that the country that we were as we founded was dying. He realized that we were on the verge of losing our economy, losing our freedoms, losing this, losing that. And so he spoke up and everybody got to see what was actually happening because Donald Trump said, hey, did you remember how things actually were supposed to be? And people said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're supposed to be free, but we have Obamacare. Enter COVID. You know, they the moved us even farther. In that. So people wanted to go back to, to that peaceful time. And, you know, this guy's article then goes into uh, some questions for your Trump-hating friends. And I think this is absolutely crucial. The desire to go back, the desire to return to normal, and we are not normal. Everybody knows it's not normal. What's happening right now is not normal. Okay, this is all part of the Great Reset. It's all part of the push to get people to accept these changes. And we're not. We're not tolerating them. We're, we're absolutely rejecting them. And the more they try and push it, the harder we're fighting back. And we have to. And their goal is to eventually wear us down. But we're not going to do that, folks. We're going to step, step it up. Uh, the thing that this guy says, he says there's a few questions that you ought to ask uh, your Trump-hating friends that want to get back to what you know uh, they're calling normal. First question. 
You think that if uh, if Trump disappeared, right? If he was uh, thrown out where he couldn't run for office again or put in jail? Question: Do you think that the left will relax and drop its FBI witch hunts aimed at pro-lifers, PTA moms, gun owners, and skeptics of misgenderism and 47 genders? Will banks stop canceling the accounts of conservative Christians like Sam Brownback? Do you think they would give up these clearly successful means of wielding power against their enemies? What evidence can you offer that the left is ready to relent? That's let's start there. Let's start there. Do you? Do you think that? You want to know why I have to support Trump, even if I didn't want to support Trump. Do you know why I have to? Because of that. Because of that. Because if we don't win. That's what happens. If they can do it to Trump, trust me, they can do it to you. Trump's got resources that you, that I, that we the people can't even fathom. He's got people backing him on, on to the tune of hundreds of millions. How many do you have? Do you think you're going to stand up for it if he can't? I got news for you, folks. We got to prop this guy up because, frankly, if he falls... They're coming for the rest of us. That's the way it'll be. So, you know, that's a really big deal. They're not going to back down. They're not going to stop. It's worked. And if it works, they'll double down. That's why we've got to stop it. Right? Uh, do we think that the Democrats will give up their practice of anarcho-tyranny, anarcho double standard by which the same laws don't get enforced against violent leftist rioters as uh, raucous conservatives? Is it okay for Kamala Harris to encourage nationwide riots that killed two dozen Americans and cost billions of dollars in damage, but not for Trump to call for a demonstration on January 6th? I love that one, by the way. But with Trump out of the way, the Democrats will stop selectively prosecuting us for actions they wink at among their own because only they only acted that way thanks to Donald Trump. Did you think that? You think they'll go back to being cuddly, lovable, civic-minded pre-Trump selves? You think that they're going to quit? They're going to quit? They're not in this to get to the middle. They're not trying to negotiate with us folks. They're trying to destroy us. They are trying to destroy us, and it's working. And unless we destroy them, this isn't a we meet in the middle. This is we aren't going get to get along. We, we win or we lose, right? There is no happy middle. Uh, and the negotiated settlement is they'll quit attacking uh, if we shut up and just do what they say. That's it. That's where this goes. So, you know. Uh, do you think that pro-abortion radicals will stop trying to kill Brett Kavanaugh, pack the Supreme Court, frame Clarence Thomas on phony corruption charges, or disbar any attorney who represents conservative clients? This one's meaningful to me, folks. Uh, do you think that all of this will stop? The left has proven that Donald Trump is out of politics and that uh, you know you get, the, they won't start attacking people like uh, DeSantis or Cruz or Hawley or you know, any of these other GOP figures, figureheads? You think that they aren't going to go after the resistance? You think they aren't going to go after all of us? Folks, they're not playing for the medal. They're not playing for a negotiated peace settlement. They're playing to win. And they're going to win or we're going to lose. Uh, and we're going to lose if they have their way. They, they, there is no middle. 
they don't want to negotiate. They aren't trying to negotiate. They're not trying to be reasonable. They're trying to destroy us. Do we think that the left really believes Donald Trump and his movement were a one-off, an aberration? If they get rid of him, it'll all be okay? That they can then let conservatives have constitutional rights back? They think that leftists didn't mean it when they claimed America's founding was evil slaveholders' uh, conspiracy that began in 2019? They, do you think that they don't believe that the Constitution is fundamentally racist, needs to be swamped? Uh, you think that they don't believe in open borders and, and that police are bad and things like that? Of course they believe this stuff, folks. Of course they believe this. There's no going back to 2015. That's not an option. You have to understand what really happened. In 2020, we began the Great Reset. Actually started in 2019. COVID ushered in the, the beginning of the Great Reset. There's no going back for these people. Folks, Klaus Schwab openly stated that the Fourth Industrial Revolution is winner takes all. The Democrats in the left that have sold out to the Fourth Industrial Revolution and the Republican rhinos, uh, Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, these guys, they're all in. They have taken a position against we the people. They're against we the people. They don't want freedom. They don't want America. They don't want anything. There is no going back to 2015. There is no going back to 2019 for these people. You have to understand that they are all in for destroying freedom and destroying America. They want us to be part of a global governance, part of a global government, and to be, well, just serfs, right? These guys are going to be the ruling class forever, and we're going to be the, the ruled class forever. And that means that we live as long as they want us to live. We die when they want us to die. And uh, we don't have access to the medicine or the health care or the opportunities that they, the elite, have. If you're willing to sell out, you can work your way into the elite. But you can only do that when they allow you, and usually through selling out some other person who might want to rise up for freedom. We're moving in a direction of anarchy and terrorism, a direction of tyranny, a direction where a dystopian world that we live in is ruled by a bunch of benevolent dictators. That's where it's going. That's what they're pushing for. This started with a bunch of people who, who started with a two-tier justice system, corrupted ideas like wokeness, and did all sorts of other things, and it's ending with the destruction of America. I suggest we come together for freedom and we do so soon and understand that we can't negotiate with this evil. We have to destroy it. Support us at TomRens.com. We'll be right back. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. 
These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Okay, welcome back, everybody, and welcome to the Stack of Stuff. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, we're jumping into it. LifeSite News. Minnesota Art Museum holds playful demon summoning session for families. No, folks, I am not joking. And yes, it is taxpayer funded. Walker Art Center held a pagan ritual geared towards families at the Minneapolis Sculpture Garden last weekend with a performance called Lilt. Lilith, the empathic demon. I'm sorry, folks. I am not super familiar with demon names. I don't spend a lot of time on that. Um, but anyways, this is this is an article that as I read, and I'm going to actually spend some time on it, even though it's a stack, because as I read it, it kept getting worse. Like, I, I was literally like, just, what the hell is going on here? Okay, so they, they this Walker Art Center holds this pagan ritual, and they geared it towards families. Uh, they call it Lilith the Empathic Demon, and they say, quote, demons have had, uh, I'm sorry, demons have a bad reputation, but maybe we're just not very good at getting to know them, the event description reads. Uh, well, I hope we're not. Uh, during this, this program, the featured artist, this Tamar Eaton, Eaton? I don't know, creates demon traps. Isn't that nice? Demon traps. Hey, honey, let's take the kids. Let's go make some demon traps. Oh, that'll be fun. It'll be a good family day. Okay. Quote, families are invited to create a vessel to trap the demon that knows them best, perhaps the demon of overthinking, and then participate in a playful ceremony to summon and befriend their demon, the website explains. The event was designed for families and finished with a playful demon summoning session. Hey, little Sally, summon your demon. I don't want to. No, you have to summon your demon. Uh, quote, after designing your little trap, Lilith, the empathic demon, will come from the dark side of the moon to lead you in locating your feelings using ancient Babylonian techniques, the website explains. This collective and playful demon summoning session will conclude with a somatic movement meditation designed to help you befriend your shadows. Isn't that great? Possess your children. Come to the event. It'll be great. Possessed children are great. Everybody likes those, right? 
I mean, we all, we all saw uh, The Exorcist, right? Um, so, yeah, the, the Walker Art Center uh, previously had uh, Eden's artwork, uh, How to Tra has, has previous, her previously uh, created artwork, How to Trap a Demon, was on display in New York, and they wanted to bring this in, right, because it's good, wholesome fun in the Minneapolis area. Um, the exhibition with parts of historical gender binarism that associates Lilith's archetype with unchecked violence and manipulation. Here, uh, Lilith mediates the inner demons and renegade instincts that are deliberately silenced, according to the exhibition. I mean, it just keeps getting worse, folks. As I go through this, uh, Eaton, the artist, don't worry, she's there. Um, she's got uh, things available for sale on her website, like 31 cards to connect you with your demon. Um, you can you can text summon to a certain phone number, and uh, then then you can get on a monthly thing where they can text you back and forth with your demon. Um, and uh, if you work real hard, it may just fully possess you, folks. I mean, I guess that's the good news. I, I just, <laughs> folks. I mean, you know, let's ask ourselves, do you think that this might be a battle between good and evil? I mean, I'm just saying, we now have demon summoning sessions for families in the Minneapolis Art Museum world, right? I mean, doesn't that sound great? What'd you guys do this weekend? Oh, we went and possessed our children with a demon summoning ritual. But we learned some ancient Babylonian techniques for talking to demons. Isn't that great? Sounds wonderful. Folks, I've kind of, I got to be honest with you, I kind of don't know what to say, and I'm not sure that I can really top that one. I mean, that, that just, wow. Wow. Uh, all right. Now, speaking of demons, headline, Disney faces worst crisis in our lifetime as prices shoot up this fall. Okay, so Disney is failing epically. Uh, they're empty all the time. Nobody's watching their crap because it's all woke garbage. And they continue to double down despite the fact that they are failing. And uh, they're, they're failing for a lot of reasons. And you've got the economists out there who naturally can't just say that they're failing because, you know, they're slapping their, their market in the face. And they're not wholesome family entertainment. They're perverts, right? They've got a, they've, I mean, you know, they're looking at this and say, well, there's a 4,000% price increase since uh, tickets, you know, started selling in the 70s when Disney was founded. Well, that, that's not the problem, though, folks. I mean, that's a problem. Um, you know, they're seeing lower park attendance numbers. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, are uh, you know just not not going there? They're not subscribing to Disney. They're watch not watching. I mean, all the Disney movies are failing. But the thing that you've got to ask yourself is why they keep doubling down on this, right? So Bob Iger, the CEO, says that you know the spiking prices will uh, boost revenue and limit overcrowding. Well, overcrowding is not an issue. Nobody's going there now, anyways. All they're going to do is scare away their last four clients. Um. Yeah, I mean, they're raising the prices of Disney Plus and everything else. Well, Disney's crashing, and they deserve it. It's well-earned. I mean, I was just uh, I just saw a thing about some uh, some dude dressed as a princess there. They had some dude dressed as a princess. I, I, I just, ugh. Yeah, let me take my little 
my little boy and show him he can be a princess. That sounds great. Um, demand for the parks is going down. Florida attendance was uh, 12 points lower than last year, which is saying something because I was coming off of COVID. Uh, price for admission is up huge. Um, everything's more expensive. That hurts, you know, this whole thing. I mean, the gas prices and food prices. They're seeing huge food prices. Apparently, food's up over 40% in the park. I mean, it's just a disaster, and it's it's going to continue spiraling downward. I mean, you know, these guys are absolutely sold out on the woke agenda until they fix that. It ain't going to get better, you know, but they aren't going to fix it, so. Uh, Gateway Pundit headline, San Francisco Bakery refuses to service, refuses service to police officer because of store gun ban. That's right, folks. So uh, Reams Bakery, right? It's Reams Bakery in San Francisco, so you should boycott them. Uh, Bakery says they maintain a strict policy of not serving anyone who's carrying a gun. Uh, This includes police officers and presumably military. I mean, no cops allowed because, you know, cops got to carry a gun. But they're they're not getting served. Uh, It's it's mind-blowing. And uh, it it seems to apply to armed forces. If armed forces, you know, if we had one of our military guys came in at a gun. Uh, But it's very clear that they aren't doing this. In fact, they said, in a time of increased gun violence, particularly impacting people of color, youth, and queer people, we believe that a strict policy of prohibiting guns in our restaurant keeps us safer. Well, that's good, because in San Francisco, where crime is rampant, now we know there's no guns. So for anybody that wants to rob a store, that's the place to go. It'll keep them safer. And they will, don't worry, the cops won't be there to keep you, uh, keep you from robbing them, because... The cops aren't allowed in with their guns, and they're not stupid. So, uh, you know, Reams is a disaster. Uh, they actually put out a post. Uh, they, they said that Reams has a deep commitment to uplifting social and racial justice in our communities. This includes fostering an environment of safety for our staff and customers. In a time uh, of increased gun violence, particularly impacting people of color, youth, and queer people, we believe that maintaining a strict policy of prohibiting guns in a restaurant keeps us safer. Uh, they go on and they talk about how uh, there's violence and people of color and people of this and people of that are all discriminated against. Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting is they said, at Reams, we aim to provide a space where people can eat delicious Arab food and work together to strengthen our community without fear of violence. So Arab food, which I found to be particularly interesting in light of the fact that much of the Arab world, um, well, I mean, there's quite a few nations where they still kill you if you're gay. And so since they're talking about uh, you know, the gun violence against queers and serving Arab food, I find there to be some sort of an interesting thing there because there are many places in uh, the the Middle East and in Africa where if you were queer and showed up to eat their Arab food, uh, you would probably be eliminated from the planet. So, you know, that's an interesting thing, but who needs to worry about facts uh, when you can feel safe because cops aren't allowed in there? Um, all right. 
McCarthy says impeachment inquiry into Biden is a natural step forward. No kidding. No kidding. Well, when? When are you doing it? Now, here's the problem. Let me tell you what's going on, folks. McCarthy and crew are trying to drag their feet long enough so that they can drag out the impeachment inquiry and everything else. They don't want there to be any votes on record prior to the primaries because any Republican not voting to impeach Biden will get primaried and be in serious trouble. That means that some of these leftist Republicans that will vote no on impeaching Biden because they're part of the uniparty will actually, they, they will get just crushed in a primary. So what they're doing, folks, is they're trying to delay this. They're trying to drag it out, trying to do whatever they can to ensure that there's no impeachment vote prior to, uh, yeah, if it's too, you know, if it gets close enough to the primaries, it's too late and then whatever. You can't really get together an actual primary, can't really mount much of a defense. But this is really about making sure that there's no MAGA Republicans. An impeachment inquiry, especially where someone didn't support the impeachment, would, would mean that that Republican candidate would be toast. Biden is about as unpopular as it gets. And McCarthy knows this. More importantly, Mitch McConnell knows this. And so McCarthy's walking the line. Because meanwhile, you have every conservative and every MAGA person on the planet, which is the base of the entire Republican Party, screaming, what the hell are you doing? And what the Republican Party, the rhino establishment is doing right now is they're trying to weigh out. On one side, you have uh, Joe Biden needing to be impeached and people being mad that that's not happening. Uh, But on the other, if you wait too long trying to save some of these rhinos, you're going to make the people so mad that you're going to lose a bunch of your your current Republicans anyways. And right now they're running that risk because right now there's a lot of guys in the Republican Party who are going to get primaried or challenged because they don't have the cojones to get this done. So, you know, McConnell and McCarthy are really stuck right now. If they, if they go too early, it damages the rhinos on the primaries. If they go too late, uh, they're going to get primaried for not doing anything. So, you know, they're trying to split it and, and wait till it's closer to the primaries. And then, you know, then they'll provide more cover for people. Um, they, need to, they need to impeach Merrick Garland as well. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. Mayor Garland is is an absolute disaster. But, you know, he says that this is a, a natural, natural uh, step forward. Well, here's the question. If, if McCarthy's legit, if he's doing this for the right, if he's doing this because he actually cares, why isn't it done? And where, what about Merrick Garland? Why didn't they start impeachment inquiry into Merrick Garland? I mean, Merrick Garland... No question, this guy should be impeached. No question. You don't need anything more than what you got. Why hasn't that happened? Now, that would at least take some of the pressure off of Trump, right? I mean, you know, something like that. But but again, nothing, nothing. And what really gets me on this is that there's no pressure from the Jim Jordans and Rand Pauls of this world. Where are they? Where is Jim Jordan? And Jim Jordan is the one I'm going to really focus on because Jim Jordan... As a, as a leader in the Freedom Caucus and as someone who's, you know, everybody looks to to be a conservative patriot leader, he could call for a no-confidence vote on McCarthy if McCarthy doesn't move it, and he could get it done. But Jim Jordan 
is doing nothing for the same reason that Jim Jordan didn't want to be a speaker. He's got a sweet gig. He likes to play himself as the Patriot hero, and he doesn't have to do or produce anything. He's got this little, little nice little uh, niche that he's carved out for himself as the big shot freedom guy. But he doesn't have to produce anything because there aren't any. Now, as there's becoming more freedom guys who are actually willing to fight, it's exposing Jordan for what he is. A sellout. If he had, or a coward. I mean, I just don't see him doing anything. I don't, just prove me wrong. I hope so. I would love to support Jim Jordan, but I just don't see him doing anything. I, all talk. All talk. Was another, another conversation. Let's go on Fox News. Natural step forward. Okay, well, good. We're good. Have you launched your impeachment? Yeah. All right. Headline, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. stuns Democrats and solace elites as he surges to 31% in New Hampshire. Kennedy is brilliant. Okay? Bobby is a brilliant dude. I really like Bobby. I really do. You know, he is a... He is taking the right position and the right tone on everything. Now, you know, everybody's got their own tone. He doesn't have a Trump-type fighter approach, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, For Bobby, his approach is working very well, and his approach is spectacular. You know, let's take a good look at things and see where we go. Now, you know, some of the stuff I don't agree with him fully on. But Bobby's been very measured and very thoughtful, and he's a statesman. Good dude. Uh, You know, like I said, uh, I have been really, really impressed. And if we could get Kennedy to be the Democrat nominee, that is a huge win for this country. It is a huge win. In fact, I hope Republicans all over this country cross over and vote for Kennedy. I do in every state that they can, because if Bobby can make uh, make it, that is really going to send one hell of a message to the Democrat Party. And, you know, frankly, Bobby's a good guy. There's a lot of stuff that he would do that's good. There's a lot of reason to support Bobby. You know, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, Trump's my guy, but I really like Bobby. So anyway, support us at TomRens.com. Keep sharing our show. We'll see you soon.